Good Monday to you all. We are back. That's right. Lockdown Wolverines podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day is back. I am your host, Isaiah Hole, your man on the ground and publisher of Wolverines Wire, which is part of USA Today Sports Media Group. And we are going to get into our normal Monday stuff. We are off the bye week. So, obviously, still don't have a game to recap from Michigan in this this past weekend. Uh, as uh, a lot of the players, if you looked on social media, they were back in their hometowns, a lot of them were. And uh, having a good time. You know, they got an improvement week this week. So, some of the younger players got to practice. Coaches were all around the country recruiting. So, uh, yeah, cool stuff, good stuff there. But instead of uh, us getting into recapping, I still have to tackle stuff when it comes to the one team that I'm tired of talking of, which is Michigan's last opponent, Michigan State. Michigan State obviously coming off of a win, but that had some stuff that happened before the game, some stuff that happened after the game, just like in Michigan's contest against Michigan State. Uh, now o- over a week ago, there's uh, some shenanigans going on. We're going to get into that, and hopefully this will be it as far as our talking about Michigan State. I'm tired of it. I'm over it. I've been over it. Wanted like last Wednesday to be the last day, and unfortunately, stuff keeps on coming out of East Lansing, so we have to get into it. Then we're going to go around the Big Ten like we do every Monday, and then uh, finally, we're going to take an early look at Penn State. Penn State coming off of a... Somewhat surprising win against Iowa. I don't know that it's terribly surprising, but it felt a little surprising. So we are going to get into all of that. So let's go ahead and start with this uh, Michigan State stuff. And so the stuff, if you haven't heard, Michigan State interim president, former Governor John Engler, he went on some radio show, Michigan State pregame before the game radio show in East Lansing and says the following about the uh, pregame incident that happened, Michigan and Michigan state. It was a setup. I think the whole thing was staged and the behavior was just outrageous. The idea that Michigan state gets fined is absurd. The Michigan player that was out there tearing up the field. That seemed to be the single most egregious act. I mean, blocking the players was dumb. The players as they did the March, but his behavior in front of everyone, trying to tear up the field and forcing our groundskeeper to come out and fix it, come on. I was told, and I haven't been around very long, that down at Big Ten headquarters, the Scarlet and Gray and Maize and Blue have a little status, and it sure looked like it this week. So to that, I say... Stop it. Get some help. Oh, don't worry. He continued from there. That wasn't it. He said about the Big Ten fine and reprimand, said, I think it's one of the dumbest decisions that I've seen, and I haven't seen many decisions, but I've watched over the years. But how is this possibly justified other than the fact that the game was held at Spartan Stadium? It's like a penalty because we had home field. Again, stop it. Get some help. Don't worry. There's more. He says, Michigan asked to come out early and warm up, and we said that was okay. But we do this March. We've done it ever since Mark D'Antonio has been here, and they weren't late. They were pretty much right on time. Now, that flies in the face of what Michigan's side of the story is. Jim Harbaugh says they tried calling and never got an answer. It wasn't in the book. All this stuff. Big Ten obviously found that that was culpable, right? Because the Big Ten sided with Michigan on that. 
Angler can say whatever he wants. Big Ten doesn't tend to side with Michigan on a lot of stuff. Especially when it comes to like a lot of the officiating type stuff. Michigan seems to always be they're not quite on the par with the Detroit Lions, but always seems to be like the poster child for bad decision making by somebody else. Let's get into the whole, you know, forcing our groundskeeper to come out. Their groundskeeper came out and repainted the field. It's a grass field. It's not a turf field. And if this was done by design by Michigan, then why did he retaliate? Just because he hates Michigan State that much? Like, y'all see through some some really green and white glasses sometimes to look at it that way, to be like, yeah, no, he planned it and then got mad about it. Like, what is that line of thinking? That's so absurd. Just call it for what it is. It was a pre-planned thing by Michigan State that didn't go the way you hoped it did. You didn't like the, that way that Devin Bush acted off the field, as in not during the game. And you don't like the result of how the game went. Because I guarantee you that if Michigan State won that game, that whole story would be something completely different. We've talked about that already. So, on top of that, now, of course... I have MSU fans up in my mentions because I tweeted out that uh, the story. And I said, don't turn a five-day story into a 26-day story. I mean, Big Ten said they considered the matter closed. They reprimanded even Jim Harbaugh for even talking about all this entire situation. And yet, Ingler comes out and just continues doing his thing. Whatever. So, I've got MSU fans still up in my mentions saying that and I, you know, I took a picture, for instance, of the, you know, what Jim Harbaugh had to say. And it's like, all right, is it he said, she said, I don't really care. You know, I just, I don't, I have a hard time believing that, you know, I think both sides are wrong. Both sides were both right and wrong in what they did. Right. Both like Mike Valeni says on 97 one, I heard a little tiny bit of it. And he said, both sides wanted this. That's ab- absolutely accurate. But MSU fans are acting like, like, oh, well, these poor Michigan State guys were just out there. With, you know, yeah, they were wearing their helmets, but it's a new tradition that just started yesterday. And where everybody, you know, they just wanted to go out there and do their walk. And poor Michigan guys got in their way. They let Kalik Hudson through fine. They didn't let the three guys through that had any kind of beef with Michigan State. So, come on. Nothing could ever, ever, ever be Michigan State's fault, right? This institution is the paragon of integrity. Never done anything wrong. Ever. Oh, wait. Take a look at your own house, Michigan State fan. Look at what's happened in East Lansing and tell me you believe with a straight face that MSU is free and clear of wrongdoing here, given everything that's happened on that campus. And I'm not even talking about the obvious, the big story. Look at all the other stuff. Look at the program that Mark D'Antonio's built. Yeah, he'll go and tell you, yeah, we we recruit guys that uh, that are the highest class, unlike those ones in in Ann Arbor. We we care about we care about winning on and off the football field and blah blah blah. Yet you have guys that literally get arrested, and as soon as they're out of jail, they're right back out on the football field. Listen, that happens every that type of stuff happens everywhere. I'm not saying that's unique to MSU. But stop acting like, like MSU, what, like the players are just a bunch of, like, I don't know, 
like bunch of dweebs in glasses that just got picked on by the poor Michigan team. Because that's not the case. Never been the case. Don't act like they're the MSU rec hockey team that got jumped by a bunch of, that's right, MSU football players. Let's not pretend that Michigan State's football team is just this high-class, high-integrity outfit and Michigan came and ruined everything. I'm talking to both John Engler and to the fans up in my MSU fans up in my mentions. But guess what? That's not the only thing that's going on with MSU fans. After Michigan State beat Purdue, and we'll get a mo- little bit more into that game uh, going around the Big Ten, I feel like Rocky Lombardi would have beaten Michigan. Now, granted, not all. You got guys like Darko State News who tweeted, he's like, come on, Michigan State fans, be better. <laughs> like, anyone who watched that game would tell you that that wouldn't have happened. But you get quite a few, like, you've, you've seen them. I'm sure if you're on Twitter, you've seen it retweeted onto your timelines. Uh, Michigan fans are having fun with it. You go onto the RCMB, you see all that kind of stuff. You see that there's still a sizable portion of Michigan State fans. It might be a vocal minority, but it's still a vocal portion that says there was one fan that I saw that was really going after it, being like, these are just the facts. It's not just the facts. Saying Rocky Lombardi would have beaten Michigan. Give me a break. (laughs) First of all, let's look at, well, Rocky Lombardi moved the ball. All right. His 56.5% passing was an upgrade. On the work, he's 20%. But starters are started for a reason. He moved the ball against Michigan, though. Look at how he moved the ball downfield. All right, let's... Do you want to play that game? All right. First play. Rushes for 10 yards. Add in another 15 more because Michigan had a personal foul at the end of the play by Michael Dwumfor. Next play. Passing complete. They call pass interference on Michigan. 14 more yards. So now you're 40 yards downfield, 29 of which were by Michigan. My Michigan uh, penalties. Next play, incomplete. Michigan has a substitution infraction. Five more yards. 44 yards by Michigan. Sorry, 34 yards by Michigan. Passing complete. But roughing the passer on Michigan. 10 more yards. 44 yards on Michigan. Then a nine-yard completion to Darrell Stewart. That's his first completion. Then he sacked for 11 yards then four yards, then incomplete on fourth down. So much better than Lewerke. 10-yard run, 9-yard pass. It's 19 yards of offense in one drive. Michigan, on the other hand, gave you 44 yards of penalties. Stop. Or as we already were saying, Stop it. Get some help. So, but Lewerke missed open guys. Lombardi hit them. There's a little bit of a difference between Purdue in its 97th rated overall defense and 127th rated pass defense. 127 out of 130 teams, by the way. So yeah, he passed for 300 and some yards against Purdue. The third worst pass defense in the country. Michigan has the number one defense in the number one pass defense. Who has Michigan played? Notre Dame. Wisconsin. Wisconsin's not much of a passing team, but defensively, I mean, they held Jonathan Taylor in enough check. Northwestern, a team that you couldn't beat. 
You had no run game. You had you couldn't stop the run. So how was Rocky Lombardi suddenly making up for both? It's like I said. Stop it. Get some help. All right. <laughs> We're going to go around the Big Ten here in a second. But, you know, with weekends like this last one and obviously this next one coming up, Penn State at Michigan, 345 ESPN. You got Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, Maria Taylor, all going to be there. You don't want to watch that game. You need to watch that game. If you're sick of paying for 20 channels that you never watch and you just want to see your team win, Sling TV is the best way to do that and to watch all the college football that your heart desires. $30 a month, you can get ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. Stream your big screen, all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV that you love only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Sign up for Sling TV and get a seven-day free trial. Locked On Wolverines listeners can get their seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, coming up next, we are going to actually take an early look at Penn State, some of the numbers and everything like that. Uh, But first, let's go around the Big Ten. Uh, Lots to talk about as far as what we... uh, is, is what happened around the Big Ten. The cool thing is this week is on Friday, since we had no Michigan game, I went ahead and gave you picks against the spread, the over-under, all that stuff, so we can uh, we can revisit some of that. Uh, I was right in some parts, and I was wrong in a lot of others. You know, that's kind of how life works. So, uh, anyway, starting with Indiana-Minnesota, that was on Friday night. Indiana was favored by 2.5. The over-under was 53.5. Uh, I took Indiana the points and the over I picked uh, Indiana to win 30 to 27 ended up being the over was right, but ended up being Minnesota 38 to 31 Uh, backup red shirt freshman quarterback Tanner Morgan passed for 302 yards on the, uh, on the the Hoosiers got three touchdowns. No Muhammad Ibrahim at the uh, running back position. No problem. Shannon Brooks came in. He ran for 154 yards, one touchdown, There were two interceptions and a fumble by uh, Indiana. Peyton Ramsey did not have his best game. Minnesota still, they ended up having five fumbles. Three of them were lost and an interception. They still managed a way to win. So good, uh, good win by the Golden Gophers, especially home Friday night win. Uh, That's big. Indiana, who had won the first four games of the season, ends up losing uh, the next four. So big win for uh, Minnesota to uh, keep the Hoosiers down. And uh, injury-riddled Golden Gophers team under P.J. Flex continues to uh, have its moments. Uh, next game, Wisconsin at Northwestern. I pit, uh, the, the spread was uh, four and a half favoring Wisconsin over under 53. 
I took uh, Northwestern outright and the under. I had said it was going to be a low scoring, lower scoring game still, 24-21. And uh, I took the under there. But I was pretty much right, with the exception of the actual score prediction. Uh, Northwestern did what uh, it could without a huge game from Clayton Thorson. Clayton Thorson, I thought, was going to be the difference. Wisconsin had three defensive backs out of the game. And uh, as well as Isaiah Loudermilk still on the defensive line, still didn't seem to matter. Clayton Thorson only threw for 167 yards and one touchdown. If you would have told me that, I would have said Wisconsin ended up winning, unless you told me that Jonathan Taylor uh, got outrushed by Groshek. He only Jonathan Taylor only had 46 yards rushing in the game. Conversely, Northwestern had 182 yards rushing on the game. Uh, no Larkin, no problem, apparently. It's, it's best rushing game all season long. Wisconsin now clearly a middle-of-the-pack rushing defense now. Gave up 320 yards to Michigan only a few weeks ago. Keep in mind, Wisconsin also, they didn't have Alex Hornerbrook under center. Uh, under in, uh, concussion protocol, they had Jack Cohn at quarterback. Northwestern absolutely rolled, ultimately, 31-17. to And it didn't feel that close watching a lot of that game. Good work, Wildcats. They control their own destiny in the uh, Big Ten West. Uh, very well could end up in uh, in Indy once uh, the season's over. Uh, especially given the way that the next game went. The, we're going to go through Purdue at, at Michigan State. Um, MSU was a two-point favorite over under of 48. Uh, as I said, going into the game, Purdue does not have a good defense. 128th against the pass going into the game. Uh, MSU, I said, had no offense. I did not know that uh, going into the game that uh, Lewerke was not going to play, although I said that that was a possibility, I'm pretty sure. Uh, MSU went in with uh, 117th against the pass. Purdue with the sixth best best passing offense in the country. I picked Purdue outright 31-27. However, what I didn't expect was David Blau to come in and have his worst game of the season. No touchdowns, three interceptions, Still had the yardage, but didn't actually have uh, much beyond that. Purdue only mustered 62 yards rushing on the ground against uh, Michigan State, which jumps right back into the number one rushing defense spot that it lost after playing against Michigan. Meanwhile, Rocky Lombardi comes in, gets enough, 56.5% uh, passing, 318 yards. Through the air, Michigan State wins 23, Purdue 13. So uh, I uh, let's see. I don't. What did I predict there? I said the over ended up being. I ended up being wrong on both counts. Ended up being the under. And it ended up being Michigan State by ten points. Uh, Nebraska hosted uh, FCS opponent Bethune Cookman. I said <laughs> Nebraska wins handily. There was no line, no over under. Nebraska won handily, forty-five to nine. Good to see the Cornhuskers get a second win in a row. Hopefully, uh, they keep it up facing Ohio State this upcoming week. Uh, the big game of all uh, in the Big Ten this past weekend was number 18, Iowa, at number 17, Penn State. Uh, that was uh, an interesting game there. Uh, Penn State was getting 6.5. Uh, Over-under was 52.5. I was looking at the game with Iowa having the third-best defense in the country. Uh, they could absolutely stop the run going in, second in the nation. They were tied with Michigan State going into the game, 19th against the pass. I wanted to continue living in Upset City. I had Iowa and the over 35 to 24, but Nate Stanley did not come to play this game very well. 205 yards through the air, but only 37% passing. Uh, Iowa really struggled in this game, made, made Penn State's defense look pretty competent, probably for one of the first times all season long. 
Neither team was really able to run the ball very much. Uh, 135 yards on the ground for Iowa, 118 for Penn State. Nor passed 215 total yards for Iowa, 194 from Trace McSorley and company. Uh, uh, we saw McSorley leave the game uh, briefly with what looked to be a knee injury. Tommy Stevens came in, got a touchdown, uh, looked pretty good. Neither team looked good. Neither team looked terrible. Um, both looked really interesting. You saw maybe one of the places that uh, we'll get into this, Penn State might be uh, vulnerable on special teams. Uh, anyway, uh, giving up two safeties in this game. Iowa tried to do it the hard way, was not able to do so. Penn State wins 30-24 to in a thriller in Happy Valley. Final game in Illinois at Maryland. Uh, that was a game I didn't even try to watch. I did, had no desire to watch it. Uh, 17 and a half favoring Maryland over under 53. I said that it was going to be Maryland big with the over 48 to 20, especially a week after Maryland got shut up by Iowa. I just said Illinois is meh, and I was correct. Maryland went big, big time, 431 yards, and that's rushing, not just passing. Kasim Hill still got another 265 yards through the air and three touchdowns. Uh, Illinois still got theirs pretty balanced, 261 yards passing, 232 yards rushing, but it was not enough. Maryland wins big, 63-33. All right, is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors that they hear on their podcast. Our demographic is 98% male and has more education, earns more than traditional media audiences, have your company sponsor this podcast. Now, if you emailed me before at LockedOnWolverines at gmail.com, I was like, why am I not getting anything? I realized I am locked out of my email there. So uh, while I try to get that recovered, uh, if you already emailed me uh, or if you want to email me, email me at WolverinesWire at gmail.com instead. That's Wolverines, plural, wire at gmail.com. And we will get you all uh, set up here. Uh, like I said before, we have quadrupled what our listening base uh, was from like three, four weeks ago. So definitely worth it. We continue to grow at exponential rates here. Uh, all right, coming up next, an early look at Penn State. All right, let's take an early look, but quick look at Penn State. But first... Uh, as I keep on mentioning, A Perfect Circle is coming to Detroit on my birthday. Uh, that's a week and a half away. I really want to go. And you know what? With Vivid Seats, I can do that, and I can do it at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price. You can look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make even things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for $20 off of orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Locked On for $20 off of orders of $200 or more. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, and remember, Book of Mormon's coming around, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter promo code Locked On for $20 off of orders of $200 or more. All right, real quick, let's try not to make things too uninteresting. Uh, I always post on Wolverine's Wire on Sundays a kind of early look at the... Uh, how the teams match up against each other uh, as far as by the numbers. So I just kind of want to go through some of these numbers real quick, and then I'll give my thoughts. So you look at starting off Michigan's offense versus Penn State's defense. Uh, pass offense, Michigan throws for 207 uh, yards per game. That's 91st in the country. Penn State allows 225 uh, yards through the air. Uh, Penn State's 
defense is very mad, like I've mentioned. Very in the middle. Uh, if you look at Penn State and Ohio State, they're right next to each other in pretty much every metric. Penn State's like in the 60s in both rush defense, pass defense, total defense. Uh, 225 yards allowed through the air, 161 yards allowed on the ground. Michigan likes to get about 212 yards on the ground. So you, Michigan can get what it wants through the air, should. Rushing, Penn State tends to clamp down a little bit more than what Michigan uh, wants to do. But we'll see Michigan coming into this game with the 33rd best rush offense. Yards per play, Penn State tends to allow just under 5 at 4.75 Michigan. Michigan's offense is actually really similar to Penn State's as far as the numbers. 6.26 yards per play. Uh, Michigan likes to get about 36 yards per, uh, sorry, 36 points per game. Penn State allows about 22. Michigan likes to get about 420 yards per game. Penn State give, gives up 387. A little bit stauncher against the run. Uh, Michigan converts a lot on third down, 47.79%. Penn State uh, is uh, upper third in the country. They allow teams to convert at a 33% clip. Michigan doesn't get a lot of long passing or rushing plays. 91st in the country in passing, 72nd in rushing, but Penn State likes to give up a lot of both. 96th and 99th respectively, so near the bottom in both metrics. Michigan doesn't turn over the ball much. 10th in the country. Penn State about average as far as getting turnovers, 48th in the country. Uh, Michigan is 38th in the country in sacks allowed. Penn State is 3rd in the country in getting sacks. Also 6th in the country in tackles for loss. Michigan is 47th. So Michigan in the upper metrics, but this is going to be the biggest test Michigan has had so far uh, as far as a defensive front 7 that likes to get into the backfield. I thought Notre Dame going into this this season was going to be the biggest test. In the front seven, Penn State might end up being that. So, big challenge for Michigan's offensive line. Okay, going to the other side. Penn State on offense, Michigan on defense. Penn State's offense is not as explosive as you would think. 68th in passing, 234 yards per game. 25th in rushing, 225 yards per game. Uh, and like 18th in the country in yards per play, 6.5. Now, obviously, they have not faced, the Nittany Lions have not faced a team like Michigan. First in the country in pass defense, 122 yards per game. Ninth in the country in rush defense, 97 yards per game. First in the country in yards per play, 3.71 yards per game. Number one total defense, 220 uh, yards total allowed per game. Penn State is 28th in total offense. Third down conversions, Penn State near the bottom of the country, 35.7 per eight, uh, 7, 8 conversion rate. Michigan is 9th in the country, 28.7. Uh, not as many long passing plays this year. Uh, 73rd right there in the middle compared to previous years where you expect Penn State to have a lot of long passing plays. Michigan is number one in the country at disallowing long passing plays. Michigan also doesn't allow a lot of long rushing plays. 17th in the country. Penn State is a little bit better that way. 19th in the country. Um, again, neither team terribly huge in turnovers, giving up or getting. Uh, and then uh, Penn State, middle of the ground as far as sacks allowed. 61st in the country. They allow about two sacks per game. Michigan gets three, which is 15th. Tackles and lot for loss. Their offensive line has managed 
Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, McSorley and Miles Sanders. The way that those guys uh, run their read option doesn't allow for a ton of tackles for loss, uh, so they only allow 5.13 per game. Michigan gets in the backfield about almost eight times a game. So I'm not going to go through special teams, but um, uh, do know that Penn State did allow two safeties on two fourth down punting plays uh, to uh, the long snapper uh, snapped the ball erroneously or erratically or wasn't handled by the punter in either case, went out the back of the end zone. Can Michigan get enough pressure to keep that long snapper uh, on tilt? Maybe. We'll see. Um, so that's what, number one. So the other thing is Michigan's obviously the best defense Penn State will have faced all season long. It's the best passing defense, best team as far as time of possession offensively. It's the second best rushing defense, the third best rushing offense that uh, Penn State's faced, and the best scoring defense that uh, Nittany Lions have faced all season long. It's the third best total offense on the other end that Michigan will have faced. Uh, third best rushing offense and the best scoring offense that Michigan has seen so far. Trace McSorley, the danger man here, 52% passing uh, on the season. His high was 63.2% against Illinois, uh, who was 121st in passing defense, and low was against Iowa this past week, the best pass defense they faced, only 44%. So we'll see. Anyway, that's going to be it for us today. Uh, So tomorrow we're going to talk about what Harbaugh has to say. Uh, as we usually do for the Lockdown Wolverines podcast. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole. You can find me online at Isaiah Hole. Follow the podcast at On Wolverines or Wolverines Wire at Wolverines Wire. If you'd like to be a spe- feature sponsor on the show, uh, again, email me at WolverinesWire at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast or online at WolverinesWire.com, uh, where we post our daily podcast every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Lockdown Wolverines, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.